welcome to our colloquium series, our third Wednesday of the month. Thank you everyone for attending. Uh, this series is different every week, but so far this year, what has been the common thread is that we've had some awesome, amazing alum of Kocharya and an even awesomer and even more amazinger, sorry Pradeep, guest. <laughs> No, you're pretty awesome. You're both pretty amazing. But we've had some amazing C-level uh, guests who tell us about coaching in their life, in their work. They tell us about their experiences and um, their perspectives. So we learn something new and unique and different every single week. So today's webinar is going to be equally as fascinating. And if I get remember correctly, today is about hiring coaches, which should be super interesting, or among other topics. Uh, anyway, Pradeep will introduce the session and their speakers and himself, and I will see everyone on chat as well as on the socials later. If you need anything, you know where to find us, kocharya.com. If you need me, you know where to find me, magda.kocharya.com. Um, yeah, welcome. Thanks for being here. Pradeep, over to you. Thank you. Thank you, Magda, as always. Set the energy rolling right thank you so much good morning good afternoon and good evening to all of you who are joining from various parts of the world i can see from the chats that have been coming in uh thank you so much for being here uh today for me uh another morph coach Arya, it's really an honor and a pleasure to have this opportunity to have a conversation with a leader who has had a lot of extremely, um, what should I say, great accomplishments under her belt over the many years that she's been working. And more importantly, uh, someone whom I've always, I've had the opportunity and the uh, honor to sort of interact with um, some years ago and since then, and someone whom I regard very highly for her being so grounded and authentic despite all the accomplishments. Vishaka, I hope you don't mind, mind me taking the liberty to say so. So let's welcome, welcome uh, Vishaka. A warm welcome to you. Thank you so much for joining us, despite I'm sure the number of things that are going on uh, in your world, especially with the second wave of the pandemic hitting us here um, both of us are in Bombay, and uh, that's where we are speaking from. Uh, so really appreciate you taking the time to speak to us and share with us or, you know, your perspectives, your experience with, and your perspectives of coaching as we go through uh, this hour. Um, just thank a brief you, introduction. Um, let, let me in turn kind of uh, thank you. And uh, as an introduction to all the panelists, my first interaction with Pradeep was when we uh, had a program and uh, we wanted to uh, facilitate, uh, we, we wanted Pradeep to facilitate. And it was one of those moments when I was a very initial CEO and I got uh, at my vulnerable best. And it was Pradeep who literally kind of uh, walked me through it and said, it's okay, vulnerability is a strength in leaders. So I'll never forget that, which is almost six years back. Uh, foundation of my being a CEO. So uh, anytime for you, Pradeep, and anytime for coaching. Thank you. Thank you so much, Vishaka. 
So just a quick introduction on Vishaka, apart from the things that I said, uh, which I truly believe in. And, uh, you know, Vishaka is the CEO of one of the youngest um, insurance companies that we have in this country. It's India first insurance company. And, and the very fact that is the youngest itself poses its immense challenges in a world that is extremely competitive. Um, and, but she's been steering this ship for the last six years and to great heights, I might say, if you look at the performance of the company over the years. Um, obviously that her, her accomplishments, her contributions have won a lot of recognition from very prestigious journals from prestigious business magazines uh, she and she's made it to all the influential lists you can think of the top 50 most influential business leaders right most powerful women actually from uh, three times in a row not once three times in a row she's been bestowed with being the most influential um, woman by the business world magazine uh, ICAI, that is the Indian Chartered Accountants Institute, the equivalent of the uh, CFAs, etc., outside this country, has recognized her as the prestigious, given her the prestigious business uh, leader award. And in addition to making it to all these lists, she's also a very sought after thought leader, especially in our industries, because she chairs and takes part in a number of advisory bodies which advise uh, the government and various other businesses on the insurance uh, front, in addition to being on the board of a company. But that's the formal side of Vishal. The real side that we, I at least hope to see and I really look forward to is that authentic Vishaka who never stops learning. And what she brings to the table today is going to be her perspective on coaching. But the beauty is it's not one perspective. You'll probably get three perspectives. One as a leader, as a leader, as a CEO, et cetera. A second as someone who's actually experienced coaching herself. And a third, and guess what? Third is a CEO who's on her way to become a certified ICF coach. So I'm really looking forward to getting all of these three perspectives in with relationship to coaching, which I'm, I'm sure will be extremely illuminating for all of us who are in this profession or who are on their journey to join this profession. So thank you once again, Vishaka, truly appreciate you being here today. Thank you. So let me start. One of the things we'll do, Vishaka, is somewhere along the way, if, if people are, if it's okay with you, if people are raising hands or there are questions that people are asking, then we might just once in a while take a look at those questions instead of doing it at the end of the chat. Is that okay with you? Absolutely. It's more of a free-flowing conversation, right? Keeps it interesting and uh, alive. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Really appreciate that. So let's start with, you know, when and how did you come into contact with or experience coaching for the first time? So this was in my earlier organization uh, where I had the good fortune of having a CEO who was himself a, a coach, a, a trained coach, but not necessarily a certified practicing. Uh, 
and um, uh, we had a very strong succession planning in place. And I was identified as uh, the successor to the CEO as the number one. And every time he would want to put ready in how many years and he would struggle with it. And until he came to me and said, uh, you know, Vishaka, you, you great. Uh, you, you know, you would, you need to be there, but you're not there for some, something missing. And uh, like, like every person who gets that kind of feedback, it's like, oh, you're not ready to give up your chair. And so you don't think I'm ready. That's like the instant reaction of almost everybody, right? Who gets that kind of a feedback. Uh, but with him, I, I didn't have that reaction because he was a foreigner and he I knew he had a fixed tenure and he would leave. So you suddenly are willing to take that feedback that much more uh, uh, honestly uh, or, uh, you know, with, uh, uh, with openness. So I said, sure. So what is it that's missing? So he said, why don't you, why don't we get you an executive coach? And that was the first time uh, gone to this organization. And this is probably a story that will interest all the coaches who are uh, who are listening in. Um, I had an orientation meeting with at least eight to nine coaches from that organization that uh, uh, that we had identified, and I just didn't like anyone that I met. Uh, so finally, the CEO of that coaching federation actually turned around and said, "Okay, let me meet her." And let me talk to her and see what is she looking for. And he ended up becoming my coach. And uh, what I realized that as a coachee, I was looking for is a coach who is willing to use all his or her knowledge, all the information or processes or structure he or she has and adapt it to suit my personality and my needs. Whereas the multiple people I had met before that, I found them so structured, it almost came across like I, as a coachee, will need to fit into their structure rather than their structure adapting to fit into my needs. So, so I think that was one big uh, learning. That was my introduction, but that was also how uh, I got one of the most wonderful coaches in the world, I would like to say. Uh, and a complete convert. I mean, the amount of difference that coach made to me, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to take names, but uh, the amount of difference that he made uh, made me want to make that same difference to other people. And that was when I turned into, I'm going to become a coach someday. And that someday, so this was in 2013 that I had exposure and that someday was 2020. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's wonderful. So do you mind sharing with us, what did you get out of that coach? Um, I think potential, definitely. Mm -hmm. um, and I think um, a clear discovery of values and value conflict. Hmm. Okay. You know, I've realized that we end up um, being our own biggest enemies because we have conflicting values. Uh, which, which we, because we don't identify, uh, it's very hard for us to um, do anything about it. Uh, so I, I could give you a, a value conflict, which is very simple that I easily relate to is where I believe work is worship. I believe that, you know, when you, 
you know you're not paid to show up you're paid to work and there's no there's no such thing as somebody else coming to motivate you you know you, i mean why do you need a motivator you know you just need to turn up and work boss i mean so that's my clear expectation of myself and of everybody and i was unwilling to accept that there are people who need motivation everybody is not a self starter everybody is not self motivated uh and and that's why you have hr rewards in philosophies as a whole vertical and whole practice but but well that was uh, my blind spot uh because i don't need external motivation i just assumed nobody needs it and if anybody needs it then they're not up to the mark uh and then there was a side to me which was um, uh which was feeling bad for people you know i was extremely emotional i would feel very bad for people and these two were completely at loggerheads with each other so when i would get demanding with people i would feel bad about getting demanding with people but when i didn't get demanding with people then i would feel bad about not giving the best to the organization so there was a constant state of conflict there uh you know damned if i do damned if i don't kind of a thing so something as simple as that you know i got pointed out and uh, then we could do something about it yeah so well, that's well, that's one from a value conflict the other one is beliefs that don't work for you any longer mm-hmm. you know so i mean one of the books that was given to me uh, to read before we started the coaching was what got you here won't get you there uh, so um one of the statements i remember my ceo made to me was uh vishaka you're no longer a sales head you know you're now chief marketing officer you're one down to ceo your whisper will become a command you don't need to be aggressive you know you can be assertive and authoritative you don't need to be aggressive but that's a change that you don't realize you know uh, you just don't realize that you don't realize that you've got power because of position and you don't need to keep earning it any longer uh, you don't need to keep dem- you you demonstrated enough because of which you are in a position now you don't need to keep demonstrating that same quality now use that and do something with it you know so beliefs that don't work for you any longer outdated beliefs that you need to get rid of so i think that was uh, you know another big uh, learning and then the third as at the third or the first which i said was the potential discover what it is that you are capable of you know what more are you capable of um i think all the self limiting beliefs uh, i i think it's this this three at a very high level oh that's wonderful so it obviously is is someone who's worked with the who of vishaka who is vishaka and what does she want to be wow amazing lovely example thank you so much for it if if you look back on it is there anything that you expected from it or if on hindsight you feel that you did not get no i really truly was blessed to have a fantastic coach um and um, and what i loved about it is that uh, the structure did not stifle me hmm. so you know when my coach realized that um, i like to think aloud and it takes me time to sort out my various thoughts to be able to arrive at a conclusion he never put a one hour timer there so whenever the meetings were it would be like okay please block your half a day and he would block his half day 
if i was going to his office and he would expect me to vlog um we kept our meetings very fluid uh, we had them in conference rooms we had them in his office we had them at my office but i think it was we set ourselves those spaces where we could talk and it was never run by the clock um when i would look back at the notes i would see so much structure but i was very sure when i spoke it didn't have that much structure but the notes that he made brought so much structure to to what i had said and i refer to those notes even today at times just to uh, just to get some clarity so no i i didn't have expectations um, uh pradeep because um i hadn't I hadn't experienced coaching before uh, this was my um, this was my first experience and it was uh, absolutely uh, brilliant so if so, so what you are telling me oops there seems to be an echo um it appears that it was very important for you that the coach is someone who understands you and then responds to that understanding and works with that understanding is that a fair statement to me absolutely absolutely and uh, you know uh, so then because i was so influenced by it i said we must give coaching to exposure to the other people you know if people we want to groom and so on and so forth there is i distinctly remember this one particular dr of mine who i uh, definitely felt needed coaching from a more of a self awareness and pardon my complete gender bias here but i have found a lot of men not being in touch with their own emotions and in touch with their own uh, feelings as easily as uh, you know my female colleagues have been so on my limited sample size i will say that you know most of my male colleagues have not really been people who been in touch with their uh, feelings and they would work on a on a very uh, no authoritative basis with lots of uh, preset conditions and so on uh, so i wanted um, coaching to that individual and um, as it was going and when i checked in with his coach uh, once or twice i i as if this is not going to get the results that we wanted and truly enough it didn't the coach had a one hour the coach had specific questions that he would ask it was it was a q and a that was happening and not a conversation it became so prescriptive and it was i mean i could make out now with the hindsight of knowing what a coaching process is and having seen what an icf process is and how structured it actually becomes now i realize that what he was doing was just sticking to a textbook script and i think that really doesn't help sure yeah so when you i mean as you have uh, you know hired coaches for your drs what are some of the things that you you look for i'm sure that's that would be of tremendous interest to all the all the people on this evening course what does a ceo look for in a coach um the desire to make a difference you know while um, while people say coaching is all about uh, facilitating the coachee to discover uh, what their goals are and do it um and i i love the name of this institute which is coach arya which is a, which is basically an acharya you know and acharya 
takes ownership for his disciples and acharya doesn't say i'm teaching now you take whatever best you can uh, from me uh, i i think i think i look for coaches who are extremely committed to outcome who are not going to be looking at their uh, at a time timer and charging by the hour and not charging to make a difference um i i i look for coaches with a passion to make a difference because that's what coaching is all about it is not it it is a difference right it's the difference between a good teacher and a bad teacher even in school and college i mean you had teachers who would come in and just you know do their vana and leave and you had teachers right. who would passion with preparation with so much work done pre work done engaging the students i mean even the most horrible students in the class would all be ears and attentive because the teacher was so good right it is that distinction that passion that ownership that i look for in uh, in a coach oh wonderful wonderful thank you so much for sharing that i'm sure there will be a lot of I just a request to all the people uh, listening in. Please ask your questions as you go ahead, and, and we sort of look at them as we go around, uh, so that you know we are mindful of the fact that we are answering your question, asking your questions, and responding to them rather than just my questions uh, to Vishaka. So please feel free to sort of uh, put in your questions on the Q and A uh, or on the chat if that's what you'd like. If you like, prefer. Thank you. and uh, as again my question is coming to you as a leader uh, vishaka who has hired coaches um apart from sort of looking for the things that you said you look for which is really the passion as well as the commitment i would say uh, to make a difference uh, to the person they are working with um would you what how do you assess at the end of the day whether the coaching has met what it should have met or not um so pradeep i think um, everything has measurable results right i mean mm -hmm. there is nothing even when you set your goals uh, uh, and i can i can use a little bit from uh, the coaching uh, uh, curriculum you start with current reality right and you do put a number to the current reality and you do put a number to what will the goal look like once it's achieved right so when you are describing what will it look like when it is achieved and i think that's an indicator of uh, of how uh, successful uh, the coaching has been um for instance uh, there is a there's also a question uh, from nidhi you know on uh, coaching experience For instance, we—I had a coach recently for one of my uh, uh, direct reports who is an extremely talented individual. Um, I I really like uh, the energy she brings, the experience, the the subject matter experience she's got. But she's terrible at um, at communication. Her ability to be extremely sensitive. um to her emotions versus her ability to be sensitive to the impact she has on others but in a complete opposite you know the highly sensitive to what she is told but highly insensitive to the impact she is making so we worked actually with a coach uh, she had so the 
So my DR had an option to choose the coaches and we put all, we put about three or four coaches in front of her. We finally chose a coach who was not an MCC certified as against somebody who was an MCC certified because of the rapport that they both built. So that coach also was an artist. This girl is also an artist in addition to her day job. And they they connected at a very different level altogether. Uh, and I think, you know, she could just adapt to the needs of the coachy. So the results were very clear. The results were how many uh, meetings will you not have a conflict? Okay. How many issues get resolved on a single mail? Oh, okay. Very interesting. So it's a period of six months. How many times do you not interrupt a conversation? So there were very, very clear, measurable results that we put in there, you know, uh, for, for, for it to happen. And I think constant, constant handholding uh, during the process, even from me to say, look, it is difficult. Because I know I went through that process when I started my coaching and I remember I I was so low, I said, I can do nothing because you move from that uh, unconscious incompetence to conscious incompetence, right? And and that, that phase when you're moving from conscious incompetence to conscious competence, that, that phase can be so difficult. It can be so debilitating for the coaches. I don't even know if people realize, you know, if coaches realize how debilitating it can be. I do know that I had the benefit of my CEO who was a coach who, who pulled me through it um, and, and and also someone who just pointed out a very clear curve of a tick and they said, look, you will slide down before you start sliding up. So, so just be prepared for it. Uh, so, so I think that is something that I've seen a lot of coaches uh, not being able to do and uh, and when the coaches start sliding downwards, uh, because they don't know that they will slide downwards before they can get up again, and because they're not given that, uh, at least in my experience, they're not given that harsh truth and uh, the handholding required to go past that uh, that slide. I feel a lot of coaches start putting up their defenses. They don't get into that conscious incompetence at all and they just stay in a very half-hearted zone of uh, identified competence becoming a better competence yeah, and unidentified yeah. incompetence <laughs> taking an unidentified incompetence yeah i love the way you put it in these wonderful very clear pockets and the way you put it let's take some questions because uh, i can see a few questions that have come yeah. So one is, would you consider a coach, this is from Nidhi, would you consider a coach who has less coaching experience and is not having PCC credentials, but has worked in depth on organizational issues? So as I said, I think for me, it's, um, I don't think a coach needs to have in-depth knowledge about organizational issues, right? And, and again, I'm drawing uh, inspiration from, from the book uh, that we were taught on, on whether the, the coach, and that's the coachee, then, you know, while the coachee focuses on the problem, the coach focuses on the coachee. And I remember that diagram, which is so beautiful. So, so you're focusing on the coachee. You're, ex, you're not trying to 
you're not trying to give an organizational input as a coach at all so you know, you're trying to ask the right questions so that the coachy can use his or her organizational knowledge to solve the problem at hand mm. uh, or mm. for self development so i do not believe that it is about organizational knowledge at all in fact my coach was not from insurance or financial services uh, zero understanding about insurance and financial services but then uh, he he was not meant to be he was not meant to uh, give me a strategy or anything of that sort right. he was meant to enable me to think uh, the way i wanted to think so i so i don't think that uh, organizational uh, knowledge matters mcc look mcc is, uh, is um, a very valuable certification uh, it's aspirational for me so i'll be the last one to uh, put it down uh, but you know this is like how when you hire employees in the organization if you have an ima i mean an iit uh, chennai ima candidate and then you've got a btech from wits and an mba from uh, uh, wherever and the guy from wit or the girl from wits and mba um, let's say somaya is got a brilliant attitude as compared to this person you would hire the person with the brilliant attitude sure thank you and just for the benefit of all those who have logged in from various parts of the world the institutions that vishaka referred to are the elite institutions in this country the equivalent of the ivy leagues elsewhere so she was saying if you have someone who is not from one of those elite institutions but has the right attitude you will hire that person over a person who comes from the elite institutes but don't have it yeah uh, there yes, is another thanks question. for that i forgot that we have an international audience no 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 problem there is another uh, question what was that one emotion attitude which made you decide to work with the coach that you selected um an ability to adapt to my needs and not throw a rule book and structure at me okay thank you okay what accountability will you hold a coach for to be 100% vested okay that's great you know i i i think i i have this it's a very personal belief uh, don't don't kill me for this but i have this personal belief that you know doctors should not be charging their patients if they are unable to treat the patients uh, yes i believe if the coach cannot really make a difference to the coachy because he is not he or she has not been able to draw the best out of the coachy uh, not been able to assess whether the coachy is really even ready for coaching uh, because that's another thing i believe in uh, you know that all coaches are not ready for coaching there are times when the coachy needs to have a little more self awareness little more willingness to be open little more ready for coaching you know so uh, so and it's the coach's job to figure out whether the person is ready for coaching or not uh, before you get in so if a coach cannot make that difference to the coach he cannot make that assessment uh, then i think i think the coaches shouldn't be charging the coach either yes <laughs> yes you're right in fact just before we started this conversation we had an interesting conversation around a little bit around coaching charges coaches charging the way they do right on the amounts they do <laughs> anyway let's there's some more questions is it okay for us to take some more questions vishaka at this stage absolutely absolutely so uh, there is another question from pat pat dixon who asks vishaka as the coaching experience 
coupled with your role as a coach changed your leadership style oh yes um absolutely yes um, yeah and emphatic yes okay <laughs> and, and i knew this uh, was, was going to touch you <laughs> i knew to yeah. take your time to answer this question because i think it's very very important yeah in in what way has it um, so one of the primary things that um, you know this journey on certification to coaching taught me is um, a respect for the fact that people think differently um you know uh, i'm trying to find an international example if you've never seen if you've never seen um a salted crepe you're always going to think crepes are sweet and i think for me it was like that i had never really seen that there is a completely different way a person can think uh because you don't know what you don't know i mean you've never if you don't know a different point of view you don't know it exists uh until you know it exists i, I don't know if i've confused everybody so for me the whole coaching journey brought to mind that people can think very differently i always had a healthy respect for perspective but the fact that it is not just perspective but the entire processing of information and the entire approach to problem solving an entire way of looking at it can be different is something that uh, coaching taught me the journey to coaching taught me and uh, i interact with my teams differently i'm more willing to invest in okay how are you thinking about this you know as as compared to uh, jumping in with a solution orientation i have learned to pause step back and ask people how are you thinking about it and the kind of perspectives that come onto the table with just because they are asked that question of okay how are you thinking about it uh, has helped our company dramatically um i might be exaggerating a bit uh, when i say that we had some fantastic results in this uh, covid period and um, you know i i i'm not sure how much of it um you know i should not be giving credit to my coaching journey for wow that's powerful too many double negatives there but i'm just <laughs> want to say that i will give credit to my coaching journey for the fact that as an organization we tided over this extremely difficult year and ended the year with great results wow amazing one more uh, question i'm going to read this out slowly it's it's a, it's the longish so it's from uday uday kumar um initial positive impressions apart about the coach have you stumbled upon unenvisaged blocks along the way realizing to take a pause to explore such concerns before traveling further in the coaching process and if yes how did you go about sorting out such concerns so uh yeah i think pradeep you asked me that question uh, in a, in different words uh, saying was there anything that uh, you wanted and did not get from your uh, from your coaching and um, i i would say that uh, i didn't have those stumbling blocks um, my biggest stumbling block as i said was when um, i became very consciously incompetent 
I think I, that though it was in 2013, I still remember the the depth of despair that I had gone to. Like, oh my God, I'm so useless. Oh my God, I can do nothing. I I, I mean, I can't even write a mail. I don't even know how to motivate an employee. So it it was a very bad phase. And I think at that phase, um, I did. uh i did have external help to tell me that uh i was on a you know on that uh, downward edge of the week of um so so maybe that's something coaches should prepare you for also so if you if i really have to look for something that's the one thing that i will look for and say that uh, the coaches need to be able to identify with the coach's uh, uh emotions um I mean, but but I'm I'm on honestly I'm force fitting something because you asked a question. Yeah, I I appreciate it. I think what Uday is trying to say, and I'm I'm taking a stab at this, is in your journey, and I hope I'm sort of representing him correctly. I don't know. Uh, in your journey, have you come across something that was unexpected, like you said, your conscious incompetence, and then you felt that it required hanging on, it required addressing. a lot more before you moved on that's a, i i hope that's what he's asking because that's my interpretation or there if there is a way you can clarify it please do oh yes absolutely i think uh, and i take that away uh, for some of the coaching sessions that i do also um sort out sort out the individual's emotional state you know help that individual sort out their uh, their own uh, emotional state so for instance um, uh, to give an example you know i used to be called very unempathetic as a person um, and you know the words that we used were she can be very logical and clinical and they used to hurt because you can't uh, lead without uh, empathy and i didn't think i was that person um just exploring that you know to say in some conversation i so when the when the coach took me back to okay tell me about yourself your journey and all i remember he caught on to that one thing when i said i have never raised my voice at my children and i have never hit my children and he just caught on to that and he said you know that requires an enormous amount of patience why do you call yourself impatient now and that's when we we spent time and we identified that it is not i'm not an impatient person by nature but i have this belief of um delivering results on time timely delivery of results and um then when we started observing we realized that i could be very patient and i and i had a high need for closure so while i could be very patient in meetings which did not have an end time you know meetings that had a one hour and for 45 minutes they went about with no solution the last 15 minutes i would get completely aggressive because i have a need for closure so i was not an impatient person but i had a high need for closure and delivery of results and just that realization made me change the way i conducted meetings and transformed my image from being an impatient aggressive individual to a very approachable negotiator 
because I realized when I had sticky situations, I had hard timelines, I had back-to-back -back meetings, I would not pick up uh, contentious issues for discussion. You know, I, I told you, uh, friends, that you're going to get very authentic responses to any questions you ask. And, and there is someone, Vishaka, who agrees with me. Your authentic sharing is beautiful, Vishaka, loving the session. That's from Vijay herself. There is one more. There are a couple of more wonderful questions, so I'm, I'm going to read them out. Uh, uh, as a coach and leader, where do you derive your energy from being an intrinsic motivator? I would like to uh, kind of just uh, just say belief. Um, you know, I think uh, there's some very, very closely held beliefs, but I will have to give a lot of credit to probably my genes also and my upbringing. <laughs> I was always brought up with work is worship kind of a uh, thing. I remember when I said it uh, to to someone in a, in a woman in leadership program and they're like, we've never heard this phrase before. And I said, it's a very common phrase in India. You know, we'll be brought up with that phrase very, very often. Uh, I, I think that, and, um, I, I, and, I, and I think it's a very high conscience, right? Uh, at the end of the day, when you're paid to do a job and you accept that payment, then you have to do that job. I mean, for me, it's a non-negotiable. I don't even think about it as uh, as I have intrinsic motivation. I just think about it as it, it's a job. You have to get up. You have to show up. You have to do it. Uh, that's what you're paid for. I, I'm I'm so sorry, Shanmuga. That sounds like I know it sounds like a very wishy-washy answer, but um, it, it is conscience. It is uh, belief. It is self-respect. Uh, you know, if, if you don't do your, if you don't give your best, uh, then I think you're insulting yourself, not anybody else. Yeah, I found it a very powerful answer, Rakshaka, to be honest with you. That's me. I found it very powerful. Thank you. There is another question that I was going to come to anyway. So uh, in a context, Puneet has asked this question. As a leader and trained coach, how do you build a culture to align the doing and being of employees? to unleash full potential, something that I know that you really believe in, unleashing full potential. So, I was trying to read that question myself, but I couldn't. So can you can you? Yeah, I'm sorry. Here it is. As a leader and trained coach, how do you build a culture to align the doing and being of employees to unleash full potential? So we have regular uh, town halls and I engage in um, a very regular communication with my team. Um, so we have this whole themes in terms of uh, uh, in terms of our values. So at an organization, I mean, I didn't create these values. These values were there before I joined, but I loved them so much that I just continued with it. And at every turn, today, I think you can go and shake any employee in the organization and they'll tell you our four values, you know, and they're so simple. Like, it's like, do more, be helpful, think new, uh, you know, be honest. And action-oriented, very clear value system. Uh, this, I emphasize on honesty and uh, my definition of honesty is when, when what you think, what you feel and what you say and what you do are aligned. 
you know the the moment if it, your your words your actions your beliefs and your um and thoughts when they're all aligned that is honesty otherwise it's not honesty um so even if you so for instance um you know when people say uh, are you not dishonest when you're complimenting someone um who is really not compliment worthy and um so i i i give this example of a report that was produced and uh, the report uh, uh, was not formatted well uh, and uh, the report had all the um, data in it perfectly right i wanted to give feedback to this individual because i know this individual sat overnight and worked on it uh, and filled up uh, in place of someone else and people know how finicky i am also about formats you know because this is a report you're submitting to the world to to the board you can't have formats which are bad but i complimented that individual and later i was asked was i being honest i said look i didn't say anything about the format i only told him how much i value the fact that he worked overnight to produce numbers and there's not a single fault in one of the numbers and how the numbers are all completely correct i said so i did not say anything which was incorrect and that's what you need to focus on what you are focusing on are you being honest with it uh, and and you set the trend um, I, I, i'm not sure i'm not sure if i'm answering your question punit but i think you have to walk the talk you have to lead from the front you have to be open and and communicative uh, you have to explain your actions uh, i actually walk in and explain my actions to people i apologize to people if i my mail if i have a delayed response goes with i am sorry for the delay that's how all my mails go um i have given uh, absolute uh, empowerment to the lowest person in the team if i have not approved a mail in two days they have the right to send me a reminder on my mobile saying this mail is pending can you please approve it um so so i i don't know if all of those things it's very hard to find one one big magic wand which kind of changes the doing and being to unleash potential it will have to be walk the talk it will have to be demonstrate by action it it will have to be um uh, a repetitive constant ongoing uh culture creation i i think and it takes a it takes a mosaic of things to make that happen and not one big thing yeah sure but when when in my view vishaka if i may when a person like you and you can see some of the comments that are coming on the chat about you how people are experiencing you when a person like that walks the talk that does it all and i've seen that in your organization so i know i am a witness to that in your organization i know how that works i'm so blessed okay. to have a fantastic team actually and i think small things right like i mean when we had uh, a we had a really good year last year and it was a very difficult year it was it was i think one of the most challenging years i have personally faced uh, uh, even as a ceo i think the number of times i have felt so lonely and uh, uh, and and yet at the same time knowing i have the responsibility to show up and motivate everybody in the uh, organization um so when we finished this i did a very small thing i just set a box of sweets to thank the family i didn't send it to thank my employees 
I sent it to thank the family and said thank you for sharing your office space and thank you for your support that you provided to the team because of which we could get these results. Because you know what? Nobody needed to open up their homes to the offices. Nobody. None, none of us who take pride in our homes also wanted to convert our office, our home into an office. Uh, so I think it's 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 genuine, it's authenticity uh, expressed with the heartfelt uh, appreciation. Yes. And in that context, uh, you know, there is a, as, as uh, a person who is a lady who has reached where you've reached, uh, there is a question that, uh, that I'd like to read out. General perception generated in the West is that women apologize too much and they need to change that. What's your opinion? Um, yes, I have uh, heard this and um, um, I, I have seen it myself. I, I don't uh, disagree. But what I have also observed after being pointed this out is there are a lot of men who don't have enough confidence too and who do apologize and who are extremely, uh, you know, squirmish and you know, wish the earth would open up and swallow them. Uh, so, so I think it's not a gender. Uh, it's it's yes. unfortunate that uh, more women have been uh, at that end. But I think equally there are a number of men who have been uh, made to apologize all the time because either they have had uh, difficult uh, upbringing or they lack confidence or whatever it is. Uh, therefore, that, that applies to any individual. And the apology is when you're wrong. Uh, you don't need to start off a question. don't need to start off a sentence with, uh, sorry, if, if. That doesn't have to be an opening word. Now, may I can be an opening statement. It doesn't have to be sorry. Wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, another question. CEO and I, I think we've got a we've got a couple of minutes, so I'm going to take these last two questions, uh, and then uh, there's one thing that I'd like to ask uh, for the benefit of all the coaches who are not necessarily executive coaches. So just three questions, Vishaka, if you don't mind. As a CEO and a coach, what are the three key criteria that you use to decide the hat to don, and also balance the hats? I'm not so sure I've understood it. Have you? Uh, Abhimanyu, you, you want to sort of expand on that while we take another question? Just to, because we are running out of time. So how do you embrace your own contradictions? I love this. I have heard you say something on this, which is just so powerful. Say it. What did I say? <laughs> what you have said is, I think the question came in a little different way. The question really came in terms of what is the biggest challenge you face? and you say yourself and the contradiction of the values that you yeah so here it is it's there i didn't tell this person <laughs> to ask the question how do you embrace your own contradictions um with difficulty you know one always wishes that uh, we we had linear equations and linear thoughts and did not have contradictory uh, you know, values uh I, th I think you just have to love yourself and say it's okay. I mean, that's who you are. And and once you identified it, it's so much more easier. And then you see what applies, you know. 
um, I, I think that's what it is. So, you know, I like to think of these, um, I, I'm a very visual person and I like to think of these as say salt and sugar, okay, or uh, sugar and chili. And I think this is universal worldwide, so everybody can relate to sugar and chili. You know, there are dishes, they both can stay and taste delicious. And there are dishes when you can't use both of them and you need to use them in isolation. So, so it is with your beliefs, your values, your uh, personality traits. There are places where each of them fit in beautifully uh, to, to form a bouquet. There are times when they need to be isolated and you need to only pick one and ignore the other. So I think, uh, I, I oh, think wow. that's what it is. Wonderfully said. Oh, powerful. I wanted to ask a question on behalf of a lot of, uh, of, uh, of myself and some of the other coaches. Um, when you see the world today with the change that has happened since 2020, you know, so far corporates, at least in India, have typically focused on encouraging or focusing on executive leadership kind of coaches, right? Do you think that with all the changes and all the pressures, et cetera, and things that have happened thanks to the pandemic for the last one year plus, do you think the corporates will probably open up to look at coaching as a way, uh, coaching as a way to help the person holistically? So in terms of, you know, health and wellness, it could be relationships, it could be other areas of coaching which don't typically fall under the executive leadership coaching banner, so to speak. Do you think, do you think the corporations will open up to that? Um, so I definitely think that coaches should themselves uh, open up to saying that you cannot coach an executive who is all messed up. So sorting out that individual before you give them a strategy to change some of their leadership styles is extremely important. Um, you know, which is what I was saying about some of the coaches who uh, I experienced for some of my DRs, right? Where they went by a rule book and they just rattled it off. So then they weren't even investing in seeing whether the coachee was ready for that rule book. So, so Pradeep, will people, will, um, um, Will organizations invest? For me, the question is, do you have coaches who are willing to be that? Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, it's a supply and demand thing, yes. right? Yes, yes. Um, when we were doing, when I was doing my coaching, one of the questions that kept coming up is, because I had a, I had a batchmate who was a counselor and it kept coming up, oh, I'm being like a counselor now. I'm not being like a coach. And I was so completely baffled by the whole thing. I said, <laughs> What is it? And I have a coachee right now who is like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm not talking about my goal. I'm talking about myself. And I'm like, you know what? If you change your beliefs and you manage your interpersonal relationships with your family, it will help you to manage your interpersonal relationships at office. So right. it's okay. Right. You know, we're talking interpersonal relationships. Let's just talk about that and about you. Because yeah. if you can sort out your closest relationships, you can definitely sort out official relationships. Yeah, that's one aspect of it, Vishaka. But, but I was wondering whether, for example, in corporates today, the health and wellness factor has gone up a lot. And there are health and wellness coaches who are focused on 
helping people around that. Then there are people who focused on helping people around enhancing or improving their relationships. So they're relationship coaches. Now, these are people who actually don't get exposed to the corporate world at all because the corporate world doesn't look at them. And I was wondering whether given all that has happened in the last one year and given all that has emerged, do you think corporates will look at it and say, holistically saying, you know what? This person probably could do with a relationship coach, not just within this organization or within the peers, but also outside. So let's invest yeah. in. Do you think that's going to happen? Do you see that coming? So Pradeep, I think why I couldn't, I'm sorry, I didn't understand your question uh, correctly. But I think it, no. uh, why I have a blind spot to it is because at India First Life, we've been offering that for the past two years, two or three years. Aha. Uh -huh. You know, we okay. have tied up with the... Uh, uh, with uh, counseling uh, centers and uh, we offer our employees the first uh, session free uh, sponsored by the company and then a 50% discount on the uh, the next few sessions until uh, the sixth session. Oh, okay. Uh, wow, wonderful. We, we already have that. I mean, I know Google has it. They have uh, counselors on their uh, yeah, role. Yeah. So, so I... I don't think it's new. I think it already exists. I think what might change is more people actually start using it because what you're yes, seeing is yes. millennials not being afraid to use counselors. I think right. all that nonsense about not using counselors, sorry, pardon my language, all that hesitation about not using counselors and not using coaches because you know if you take help, then you are not good enough is probably predominantly restricted to the uh to the to the older set of millennials but the gen z and the younger millennials uh, clearly have no qualms about taking support vishaka thank you so much for such an engaging conversation really appreciate you can see a number of people complimenting you and and saying thank you on the chat uh, thanks vishaka for such an impactful session highly impressed and inspired with the session straight from the heart full on authentic energy and direct communication thank you for a great session and also for being vulnerable